everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Adventures in Contracting. So this is season three, and we have a slight change in the format. So instead of seeing Vivek and I, what you're going to see now is me talking about some changes in regulatory issues or compliance issues that affect government contractors, as well as a specific case and how that affects you as a government contractor. In case you don't know me, I am Leona Charles, President and CEO of SPC Business Consulting, where we do all things government contracts. And in case you missed it, today we want to talk to you about a gift from the SBA. The SBA has, has expanded its definition of acceptable past performance for subcontractors and small businesses. So this rule, it doesn't go into effect until August the 22nd, but here's what you need to know. So small businesses are now able to use joint venture experience as direct past performance or relevant experience. So even if you weren't the lead in a JV and you just participated in the activity, you're able to use this experience to gain larger contracts. Also, your subcontracting experience can now be used as direct past performance or relevant experience. So you're able to request that the prime complete a past performance document and they're required to get it back to you within 15 days. So this is such a huge win for subcontractors. As you know, one of the hardest things about subbing is getting the prime to complete any type of fast form. So this is a huge win. The case that I'm gonna to talk to you about is coming out of Columbia, Maryland. And in May of 2022, the DOJ filed a lawsuit against Intelligent Fiscal Optimal Solutions, LLC. So this is a false claims case. Now, false claims covers a lot of latitude, but here are the facts of the case or what's alleged by the DOJ. The DOJ alleges that IFOS, and this is what I'll be referring to them <laughs> as from here on out, owner Tawanda Smith and former DHS executive director of the Office of Management Integration in the Office of the Undersecretary for Management, Dr. Kenneth Buck, essentially fixed a contract win for IFOS. The DOJ alleges that while Dr. Buck was still employing DHS, he met with Ms. Smith and informed her of a potential opportunity that he was writing the scope of work for. He then emailed his resume to Smith via his personal email, and then he informed his second-in-command, his deputy director, that he would be leaving and that she would be working with IFOS. And the deputy director apparently selected IFOS to be the successful contractor and didn't provide any meaningful evaluation of any other vendor. So after Dr. Beck left, he contracted with IFOS through his own company, Transformation Systems International LLC, working on the very same contract he wrote a statement of work for. So here's how the DOJ has broken it down. Along with Ms. Smith, Mr. Beck prepared and submitted a signed technical proposal to DHS that falsely identified another employee as a strategic advisor. Dr. Beck wrote post-employment restrictions outlined in the Ethics and Government Act, 18 U.S.C. 207. And just to clarify, basically what it is, is there's generally a two-year period once you leave government that you can't turn around and work for a consultant or another company on anything having to do with the agency that he works for. So by him leaving, forming a company and subcontracting with Ms. Smith, he is effectively breaking that. So keep that in mind, that's going to play out as, as this develops. He avoided a mandatory suitability background investigation. Now, as we all know, only the contracting officer can 
bind the government to contracts and only the contracting officer can make any material changes to a contract. So that's going to be a big sticking point in this case. Also, they're alleging that he used his personal email to text and, and call Ms. Smith and, you know, kind of have conversations regarding the contract. He used his personal cell phone to facilitate conversations, to intercept conversations, that kind of thing. They're alleging that Dr. Beck's name was removed from IFOS documents and that they coded his message in IFOS group emails to conceal his identity. So what that harping on pretty much is 31 U.S.C. 2933. And basically what that is, is it requires contractors to have a, have a display with a tip line number. And what the rule requires is basically any, any connection to a contract or performance of closeout of any government contract. So basically anything having to do with it, right? And it applies to both subcontractors and prime contractors. You're supposed to notify the government, hey, I think something sketchy is going on. And if you don't do that, then this rule allows penalties up to three years of suspension or for you to be debarred. So now there are a couple of things to consider. Minimum qualifications and statements of work, you know, minimum qualifications are generally determined using the qualifications of a known contractor, right? This is a baseline for what we want to try to, to, to have happen. This is what we expect. You know, it's, it's a minimum. At a bare minimum, this is what I want to see. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it, there's nothing kind of unfair about it. It's the government say, this is what I know at least we need to have in order to keep going. So that's a, that's a fair thing. What is unfair is that you can't take someone with inside knowledge of how those qualifications are evaluated or how they're developed and then have them turn around and go out in industry and take that inside knowledge and complete a response that's going to give them an unfair competitive advantage, right? The government isn't harping on that so much. What they're harping on is the fact that they were defrauding billing because this person should not have ever been on the contract. So according to 31 U.S.C. 3729 False Claims Act, the amount billed by IFOS was $628,000. So the government is seeking that plus the interest. And one of the things that they pointed out is that you're in violation of this if you've done anything with actual knowledge, reckless disregard, deliberate ignorance, made, used, and or caused to be made or used false records, which they did in submitting that technical proposal and taking his name off of documents, statements, again, which they did with that technical proposal and taking his name off, off of documents, and certifications material to false and fraudulent claims, which they did by taking his name off of those materials, hiding him from government knowledge, not submitting a mandatory suitability form, and then submitting an invoice. So they're going to have an uphill battle trying to prove that this was not something that they did intentionally. The key here is going to be that intent, and they're going to have a really hard time, IFOS is going to have a really hard time that is showing to the government that they did not do that knowingly, that they didn't have a reckless disregard, or they weren't deliberately ignorant. They're going to have a really, really hard time selling that in court. One of the other things that they're bringing them up on is 28 U.S.C. 1345, which is unjust enrichment. So again, they shouldn't have made that money. 
because he should not have been on their team. And of course, they're trying to recoup their deport costs as well. So this is interesting. And I've said this all the time. If you have somebody who is the person in question, right, who you think the government may present a situation where there could be a potential conflict of interest. I mean, this is a really simple thing to to rectify. So what I generally recommend to clients is that if you have someone who the government is going to look at and say, hey, this is a potential to be a, con- a conflict of interest. What I would advise is that, OK, message received. Take this person, remove them from the team in question, put them in a whole nother team, take away their access to these documents, take away their access to the emails, take away their access to group chats, take away their access to the proposal information, take away their access to evaluation documents, take away their access to past performance. Anything having to do with this contract, take them out of it and just move them to another team, move them to another supervisor, you know, where they have literally no no access to what is in question. And what you've done is you've created an OCI, which is an organizational conflict of interest. You've done what the government asked you. You've said, this is, we recognize this could be a potential conflict. And this is how we're going to address it. This person is not going to sit in on, on these meetings. This person is not going to have any kind of information funneled to them. This person is not in the emails. This person does not know what's going on. This person is not raped in status meetings. This person does not sit in on meetings with the government regarding this contract. This person does not provide any technical feedback regarding this contract. This person does not supervise any team members working on this contract. You know, it's very simple to create that and it can be done, but it's obvious that IFOS did not do any of the, any of these things, at least according to the, the complaint that the DOJ has filed. So this is a great, interesting case. I will let you guys know how it plays out, but I, I think that what we're seeing is that they're going to have a hard time doing it. And in the future, you know, if you find yourself in a situation where even there's the potential for this, just remove the person and create a wall. That's all you got to think about. You got to just create a separation for the person in question. Whether it's fair or not fair is really irrelevant because you have to convince the government that you're doing everything that you can to take care of any perceived unfair advantage. So that's a big thing. I really appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. And as always, you can leave questions or comments on our Twitter, TikTok, or shoot them to us by email. And I look forward to seeing you guys next time. Thanks.